0: Here is the philosophy of the malignant narcissist in one sentence. Get them before they get me. They have decided the world is out to get them. And their credo is get them before they get me because they're coming after me. It's just, am I going to be a sucker and let them get me? Or am I going to get them before they get me? That's what you're up against when you're dealing with these folks. It is okay with them to put their personal pleasure ahead of the safety of others, ahead of the well-being of others. It doesn't matter to them. Well, hey, it's Dr. Phil again, and you are listening to Fill in the Blanks. We are talking about toxic personalities, and this is the third installment in this series. We're still talking about Narcissist and Narcissism, and I suspect you guys are starting to be pretty expert on narcissism right now because I'm giving you some real deep dive details on this disorder, which is what I'm meaning to do. I'm wanting to give you some deep dive information about this because I've heard from so many of you that you have these people in your lives. Now, we've talked about the different kinds of narcissism. And today, I'm going to give you a quick review. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. If you want to hear about what we've covered so far, which is the classic narcissist two episodes ago. And in the last episode, we talked about the covert narcissist. Listen, a narcissist is a narcissist. They have a lot of the same characteristics, no matter how they express them, got to be the center of attention. They have an arrogance. They have so many characteristics that you find troubling in your life, and I've listed all of those. I've gone over all of them for you. There are basically four types. There's the classic we talked about, the covert we talked about last time, Today, we're going to talk about the communal narcissist and the malignant narcissist. And we're going to spend most of our time on the malignant narcissist because, in my opinion, this is the most dangerous narcissist of all. You're going to find out why in a fast hurry. Now, as I say, I'm not going to spend a lot of time going back over all of the characteristics of the narcissist, because you're getting to be expert on these things right now. But you know, they're grandiose. They have big egos. They have to be the center of attention. They are people that just don't take well to criticism. They always have to be the center of attention if they're the classic narcissist. Now, the covert narcissist, is a little different in their approach. But trust me, all of those same traits and characteristics are there. And I have heard from so many of you since I put out the Covert Narcissist episode that said, oh, my God, I'm so glad that I have a label on this now because I didn't realize what was going on in my life. I was getting gaslit and manipulated so much by these people I didn't realize it. I didn't realize what was going on. Now, I've said I want this to be a conversation and not some kind of presentation that you would get if you went to a seminar or some graduate school class somewhere. I just want to talk about this. So I've gone and read so many of your comments, so many of your posts after listening to he said, <laughs> It takes me back to when I was in school, because we had that graduate student syndrome, and we really had it in general psychology as well, where every disorder we studied, we had. It's like, okay, as soon as you start reading all the traits and characteristics, we all came out of class on anxiety neurosis thinking, oh my God, I'm an anxiety neurotic. Or we came out of a class on personality disorders, all convinced that we had a personality disorder, and maybe we did. But you focus on these things so much, you start taking your own personal inventory and start thinking, oh my God, am I that? Let me tell you why we have a tendency to do that. As I said, I think all human behavior is on a continuum. So, It goes all the way from really humble, laid-back people that wouldn't yell fire if they were on fire, all the way to the narcissist that thumps their chest and tells you how great they are every time they open their mouth, never gives you a chance to talk. It's got to always be about them. So that's on a continuum. So Are you on that continuum? Of course, you are. We all are on the behavior continuum from when we're completely comatose asleep to all the way to when we're our most animated and have moments where we're maybe full of ourselves. But the fact that you have moments where you lapse into that doesn't make you a narcissist. And I made a point last time that after reading all your comments, I think I need to underline, and that is there's a difference between narcissism and a narcissistic personality disorder. You can have a degree of narcissism and not qualify as meeting the criteria for the diagnosis of a narcissistic personality disorder. That's because we all have those traits and characteristics. And by the way, malignant narcissist is not a diagnosis really, it's a descriptor. And I'm not really into labels in the diagnostics. We really have those as much as anything else for insurance purposes because when we're in private practice and you turn in something, you got to put a code down so they know how to categorize it and how to code it into their System, so they know what to pay for and et cetera. So it really kind of backed into this where everybody has to be in a certain category. And I don't think it's really distinct as all that. And oftentimes those lines are pretty blurred. But I do believe there is something called the malignant narcissist. And this was first talked about by Eric Fromm in 1964. And then about that time, Kernberg came afterwards and started listing a bunch of symptoms and traits and characteristics. And Gunderson and Renningstam did some really great research on this. So if you're one of those that likes to go look up the studies in the literature, there you have it. But the definition is kind of this. A person who has symptoms Of both the narcissistic personality disorder and the antisocial personality disorder or the psychopath, what's usually referred to in lay conversation as somebody's a psychopath. And these things show up as arrogance, a need for power and recognition, and tendencies to use and exploit others for selfish reasons. Like most personality disorders, malignant narcissism interferes with relationships. And it's not something that responds very well to treatment, frankly. In fact, narcissists sometimes use treatment as a training ground. They say, okay, we exploit people, and we don't have empathy, and we don't show remorse. So I'm going to go to therapy and let some therapist teach me how people that do have those things behave, and then I'll know how to mimic those, because narcissists can be very manipulative, and certainly psychopaths are really manipulative. Now, there is a difference between the narcissistic individual and the psychopathic individual. I'm going to tell you what it is later on. I'm going to make myself a note so I don't forget, because I don't want to get into it just yet. But I want to talk to you about something called the Dark Triad. And that probably sounds ominous, and well, it should. I gave a presentation last summer at CrimeCon down in Austin. It's a convention where they focus on true crime and they deconstruct these things. These are a lot of people, professionals, attorneys, and others that are really interested in everything from serial killers to all different types of criminals. And what they asked me to talk about was evil, the psychology of evil. Is there a point at which things go beyond mental illness and just become pure evil. And I talked about something called the dark triad. Now, Paul Huss and Williams first identified this back in 2002. This is when I first saw what I thought was a coherent explanation of it. Envision a triangle. Just envision a simple triangle. And at the top of the triangle is narcissism. And on one other side is Machiavellianism. And on another side is psychopathy. Now, if you have those three things operating at one time, then you're talking about what I consider to be a malignant narcissist. The narcissistic part, grandiose, ego, pride, exploitive, manipulative, doing what they need to do to get what they want. The Machiavellian part is they are immoral, exploitive. They're really interested in their reputation and their image and their strategy, and they'll step all over you to project what they want to. And their moral compass is just spinning. They don't have a moral code like most people. They don't respond to the right and wrong that most people do. And in psychopathy, this is the antisocial personality. These are people that are cold, calculating, but they can be very charming. They do not have the ability to feel remorse. They can victimize you, steal from you, physically hurt you. It's not that they hide their sorrow, they don't feel it. They don't feel it. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multilayered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, Essential Television. Now, you see a lot of these adults, and if you go back into their childhood, you'll find that they were mean to animals, for example. They would torture pets. They would torture small animals that they would find because they didn't have the ability to be empathetic. They didn't have the ability to put themselves in the creature's position and think what it must be like to be enduring that torture or that pain. So that psychopathic tendency is they will hurt others, exploit others, steal from others, and they don't have any remorse. They don't feel bad about it later. When we're talking about this dark triad, I hate to say this, but the truth of the matter is you see this show up a lot in our leaders. CEOs, managers, politicians, people that rise to the level of influence and control. Why? Because they are attractive. They're confident. Their confidence comes across as swagger. They seem strong. They give you a false sense of security, and it's easy to mistake a menacing drive for passion, you think, wow, this is really a committed person. They have tremendous passion, but really it's a very dark, self-serving, menacing drive. And it's real easy, particularly if they're your CEO or they're your leader Maybe it's a team captain that you're on a team for or a manager that you work for. It's real easy to say, well, they may be kind of heartless, manipulative, and exploitive. You may even say, hey, these people look like a malignant narcissist, but they're our malignant narcissist, and they're winning. They're winning all of these sales competitions. They're mastering these performance criteria that we have to have, and we're on that team. So yeah, they're malignant narcissists, but they're our malignant narcissists. They're really effective. They've risen to the top of the heap here. And what people do is they find themselves trying to get their approval. So you start behaving in a way where they go, okay, you get it, buddy. I got it. Now, you get it. I can see in you things that I value. You've got what it takes. You've got that killer instinct. How many times have you heard people in industry or sales or you've seen it in movies like, you know, no way we're turning over the Western region of the company to him because he doesn't have that killer instinct. Well, you know what? That's just a saying. They don't really mean we need somebody to go out there and kill people, but they really do mean he doesn't have or she doesn't have the instinct to do what it takes. And in their estimation, that means to exploit people, to break the rules, to throw the rule book out the window. Malignant narcissist that live inside this dark triangle are manipulative, exploitive, cold. They will cut your throat and watch you bleed out. And I mean that metaphorically. If they can use you and abuse you and they have you trying to get their approval, then they've manipulated you into something where you think, okay, I'm going to be on their team. I'm their person we're going to go to the top together. That's not true. They have no loyalty to anyone except themselves. These are the most dangerous leaders, the ones that try to get you to win their approval, then they use you, abuse you, and then discard you. And the trap is they seem to get things done, so they get you to start believing in them. So, I'm telling you, malignant narcissist is not a formal diagnosis, but it's a common term that we use to describe the traits and symptoms of both the narcissistic personality and the antisocial personality, or what most people in lay terms call the psychopath. So, what are we talking about? Grandiose attitudes. They feel superior to others, they have an excessive need for praise and validation. They have a poor reaction to even the slightest criticism. They don't want to hear, hey, that was a great job. But you know, if you had just, uh uh-uh, no, no, no. You need to put a period at the end of that. That was a great job, period. They don't want to hear, that was a great job. If you had done this, no, no, they don't want to hear that. They're users and abusers. They are power-hungry. They take everything personal. And this is what you need to understand about these people. The malignant narcissist takes everything personal. It doesn't matter how you mean it. You could be talking about the situation. You could be talking about circumstances that you all found yourself in. But anything that is critical... They're going to take personal and consider an attack on them. They are evil, ruthless, vengeful, vindictive, and paranoid. And it's interesting when we call these people paranoid because they leave enemies in their wake. Malignant narcissists, as I said, these are people that exploit a lot of people. They step on a lot of people, use, abuse, and discard a lot of people. So just think about the wake that's left behind a boat. Think about a boat going across the lake. What happens behind it? It disrupts the water. It leaves a wake behind it. And malignant narcissists have a lot of enemies in their wake. So are they paranoid? Yeah, they're paranoid, but they do have people that probably are enemies, probably don't wish them well, probably will take any and every opportunity to sabotage them. So they have to have their guard up because they've burned people along the way. So when you have a mix of these characteristics, you're not going to be good at relationships. Think about it. Do you want to be in a relationship with somebody that is 100% all about them? They will use you. They will take credit for what you do. They will throw you under the bus every single time it comes down to it. Maybe you guys are working on something together at work and it goes badly. When the boss comes around, they're throwing your ass under the bus every single time. They will go behind your back and stab you in the back. These are people that will lie, cheat, steal, and throw you under the bus if it helps them thump their chest, if it makes them look better by comparison. You know, I talked about leveling, and leveling is really interesting with these people. We're going to talk about that. So think about a combination of narcissism, and then add to it all the characteristics of the psychopath. And what are those? Psychopaths tend to be aggressive. Psychopaths don't have the ability to form relationship bonds. Psychopaths don't have the ability to feel remorse. Psychopaths will lie, cheat, steal. They'll do anything they can to get ahead and they don't ever feel bad about it. Take that and mix it with somebody that actually has a bottomless pit in the need for approval validation. They have to be the center of attention. They're going to do that at your expense, and they're not going to feel bad about it. They can go to lunch with you and then tell lies about you to your spouse at a dinner party that night if it makes them look better. So I'm going to put this chart on com. but when you look at the traits of the malignant narcissist. They have a pattern of grandiose arrogance. They act superior. They have these fantasies about power and success and fame. They have needs for excessive praise and validation. They feel entitled to special treatment. And if they don't get it, they're going to make you pay. They exploit and use others for personal gain. They don't have empathy. They're envious. If you do well, they don't like it. You remember, I said they take everything personal. If you get a promotion, they take it personal. You may not even work at their company. And if you get a promotion, they take it personal. If you get a new car, they take it personal. If you guys have a wonderful, healthy baby, They take it personal. They think every success that anyone else has is at their expense. Now, the antisocial traits that you're going to see in them is that they constantly violate the rights of others, which psychopaths do. Psychopaths, as I said, they don't have boundaries. They don't have a moral compass. So they're going to violate other people's rights. Malignant narcissists do that. They break the rules. They break the law. Psychopaths are constantly deceiving others. They lie. And malignant narcissists will do that. They just aim their lies to feather their own nest always. They do it to aggrandize themselves, to make themselves look superior in every way. Psychopaths are very impulsive. They don't have good decision-making skills, and they're often irritable and aggressive. Now, mix that with a constant need for admiration and the tendency to personalize everything. So now you've got somebody that's irritable, and they're aggressive, and they personalize anything and everything you do. They're going to attack you anytime you are sharing something of success with them. This can get to be really, really difficult to live with. When you're around somebody that is extremely arrogant and self-centered, and they discard the feelings and needs of other people, then that means you always are being used. You never get anything back in the relationship. There's never a time where it's your turn. It's your time. There's never any time where they come to you and say how are you doing? And if they do, and this is very important, if a malignant narcissist comes to you and says, "How are you doing? Did you have a hard night? Did you have a hard week? Is something going wrong?" They're not interested in you. What they're doing is gathering information that will be turned into leverage to be used against you at a later time. You can never trust a malignant narcissist. If they come to you and they seem interested, they seem empathetic, they seem sympathetic, they seem to be concerned about your well-being, it's a manipulation. They're gathering ammunition to use against you later. They manipulate you so they can get leverage. Maybe it's against you, or maybe it's to use with somebody else. They're always fantasizing about ways to obtain more power and dominance over you. And if you share with them, if you take them into your confidence, you're giving them ammunition. Like, for example, you might be talking to a malignant narcissist and say that you find them because they're so cold and manipulative on a given day they might be seemingly interested in you, and you go, wow, this is different. And so you get sucked in, and you share something with them. And they might even bait you they might tell you something about themselves, which will be a lie, by the way, in order to see if they can get you to reciprocate. And if you do, and you say, like they may say, oh, I'm having trouble in my marriage, and it just seems so unfair that I get judged all the time. And you might just in passing say, oh, I know what you mean. It's You know, sometimes it just seems like you just can't do anything right, you know? And you might just be kind of saying that in passing, like, you know, we all have those days. You might just be trying to empathize. Well, you know, in their mind, they're writing that down. Okay, can't ever do anything right. When the opportunity presents itself and they feel like they can gain an advantage by going to your spouse, and telling them that you said that they're judgmental and that they can never please them and never do anything right, and they're frustrated and they manipulate and spin it up. If they think they can use that and gain some advantage by alienating your spouse from you, they will do that. It may not be true at all what they're sharing with you about themselves to get you to loosen up a little bit. And if you're someone that they believe has criticized them, you better put your guard up because acts of revenge are coming. These are people that will hold a grudge for 20 years, but they're going to get you. These are people that are so dark and twisted that they will harbor a grudge forever. And you may think, well, you know, don't all people kind of hang on to resentments some? Well, no. Mature people forgive, don't necessarily forget, if somebody jerks them around, they may say, Look, I'm gonna forgive that and let it go. I'm not gonna forget it. Doesn't mean that I'll expose myself to them again in the future, but not a malignant narcissist. They're vindictive, they're out for revenge, and if they label you as being critical of them, trust me, they're gonna plan something vindictive to come after you. That's why it's terrible to have these people in your life. Now, they have high levels of aggression towards other people for this reason. They just see the world as a threatening place. And so they're very deceitful because they feel like I got to constantly misdirect because the world's going to try to get me. So I got to point them in the wrong direction. So I'm a moving target here. Here is the philosophy of the malignant narcissist in one sentence get them before they get me. They have decided the world is out to get them. And their credo is get them before they get me because they're coming after me. It's just, am I going to be a sucker and let them get me, or am I going to get them before they get me? So that's what you're up against when you're dealing with these folks. and. Understand, they are motivated by power. When you see them in a position of power, they are going to have a very coercive leadership style. It is okay with them to put their personal pleasure ahead of the safety of others, ahead of the well being of others. It doesn't matter to them. These are people that are way overrepresented in the population of domestic abusers. If you look at the research and profile who makes up the population of domestic abusers, you're going to find a lot of malignant narcissists in that group. In graduate school, we had to go do They called them externships, but we had to go do volunteer work at the city and county. And a lot of times you hear about people going into court, family court or criminal court, and they've had a restraining order on them because there's been problems in the home or whatever. And so the judge might say, okay, you're going to anger management because you've put your hands on your wife in anger. You slapped her. You punched her out. You put her head through the wall. You did whatever. Same thing with child abusers. I've had to do groups where you have 12, 15, as much as 20 people in a group that have been assigned by the court to go through this group therapy because they're abusers. I mean, they fly into rages and abuse their spouse or their child. Now, I was naive at the time and I thought, oh man, these people are going to come in on such a shame trip. They're going to be embarrassed to show their face down there. And They're going to come in, they're going to sit there like, oh my God, I I cannot believe I did this. I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I have to sit in front of these people and talk about this. So I thought it was going to be like pulling teeth to get anybody to talk, to get anybody to participate. Man, did this naive young student get the wake-up call of his life. I found these to be the most arrogant, belligerent, unapologetic, Group of people I had ever seen in my life. They were bragging about what they did. They were blaming the victim. They didn't deny it. They said, oh, she exaggerated all of this. She made all this up. But before they finished the paragraph, they were saying that they were provoked into doing this, that the judge didn't understand or they wouldn't be there. This wasn't their fault this was pushed on them. They were the most unapologetic, belligerent people I'd ever seen in my life. That's what you're dealing with when I'm talking about malignant narcissism. No empathy whatsoever. I would pull their file out and I'd say, okay, Bob, let's see exactly what we're talking about here. So just exactly why are you here? Well, you'll have to ask the judge that. Well, no, I'm asking you that. Why are you here? Well, you know, we fight like everybody else. Oh, really? Well, let's see here. On six different occasions, you've choked your wife to unconsciousness. You put her head through a plate glass window, and she had 142 stitches. Oh, by the way, you did this in front of your three children. You've broken four of her ribs and knocked out nine of her teeth. Think that would have anything to do with why the judge sent you down here? Well, look, uh, a lot of that's blown out of proportion. And, uh, you know, you can only take so much. Somebody gets in your face. What are you going to do when they, I mean, just argumentative in your face? And I look around the room to see if people are appalled. And there are a few, but for the most part, they're just waiting their turn. And I look at him to see if he's reading the room. Is he embarrassed about this? When he said it out loud, when I've read his file out loud to confront this, is he at all going to feel like, oh, my God. Yeah, you just raised the price of poker on me there, Mr. Group Leader. No, no, no. He wants to talk about it. He's like 142 stitches. She should add 242 if you'd have heard the crap she was telling me. And let me tell you something else. I mean, j- unbelievable. That's what I'm trying to get across to you with a malignant narcissist. And why am I telling you all of this? Because I want to get across to you, you ain't going to change these people. There's nothing you're going to do that is going to cause these people to get better or improve their attitude, their conduct, their behavior. It's not going to happen. This is way above your pay grade you're not qualified, you don't have the skill, you don't have the ability, you're not going to improve these people. And you want to know chapter two to that story? Neither do I. I don't have the skill or ability to change those people because they have to want to change. And that's the problem with personality disorders. People with personality disorders, in large part, may not recognize that it isn't working for them. So they just may think this is the way they go through life. This is just who they are. This is their personality. This is how they do what they do. Why fix what ain't broke? These arrogant, belligerent, dark triad-dwelling, malignant narcissists see no reason to change. Now, you think, come on. Dr. Phil, how could that be? Well, remember what I said earlier? These people tend to rise to fairly high levels in a lot of circles. They get rewarded for this conduct. They get rewarded for this behavior. They do get paid off by this. People kowtow to them. People cave to them. And give in. So they think this is working for them. And remember, their major attitude is get them before they get me. Very, very important that you get that. Now, we're out of time. So, I've got to stop this, but I'm going to have a part two to this, and in our next episode, we're going to talk about how to deal with a malignant narcissist, and we're going to talk about the communal narcissist. I'm going to continue to read all the things that you're saying about this, so I have an idea of what you're thinking. But now, Let me say to you, when when you're reading all of this stuff, and I know a lot of you are because you've been going to the website and you say you're reading a lot of the stuff I'm posting there plus listening to this, when you got a new hammer, everything looks like a nail. And if you're learning all of this about narcissism and your comments have been so in tune with what we're talking about, and thank you. I've never had so many comments. I'm doing this for a reason. I'm doing this because I really want to have an impact on all of you and all of your lives beyond the show. And I love being able to talk about specific personality types and specific characteristics here and then talk about strategies for dealing with them. I want every one of you to get at least one friend to subscribe, to fill in the blanks, and listen to this specific series. Now, I've got series on here that I've been really proud of. Living by Design is one of those series. If you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to listen to Living by Design. It's in the library. It's in the archives. But I want you to get at least one person to subscribe and listen to this series on toxic personalities, because that's kind of paying it forward and saving somebody else from getting caught in this trap. I want as many people to hear all of this as possible. And by the way, I'm not giving you a lot of opinion here. I've been in this field for 45 years, and there's been a lot of research on the narcissistic personality and a lot of research on the different types of narcissistic personalities. What I'm telling you is grounded in research and grounded in research over the last 50-plus years. If you wonder if what I'm telling you is right and comprehensive and accurate, listen to other experts that are talking on this and see if I'm giving you the straight skinny. Because I am. These are dark triad dwellers, and they're dangerous people. This is the most dangerous kind of narcissist. And we're going to talk more about that, plus communal narcissists, next time. Let me have your comments. Let me have your questions. I will see you where I will at least be talking to you next Tuesday. Have a good week.